Welcome back to Podcast 35 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at the Osbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Osbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by MyBookie.ag. For a 50% sign-up bonus, please visit MyBookie and use the promo code THEODSBREAKERS. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out with our costs, sponsor the podcast and the website. We would love to help you out. Please visit theosbreakers.com, click shop and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves, including myself. You can also check us out on patron.com. And if nothing else, please visit theosbreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. All right. Lots going on, my friends. We have the PGA Championship this weekend. We have the Preakness Stakes. And we have the NBA, the NHL, MLB, plenty of things to bet on. I myself had a pretty decent week in the UFC, up a little bit over three units. But don't get me wrong, I am still down for the year in the UFC once my best sport has now kind of took a downturn for the past four or five months. But I expect it to climb right back up and become my best sport again. Now, unfortunately, this is Tuesday. I'm recording this a little early because I am heading out to Cabo San Lucas in a day. Tomorrow, I'm going to leave for about five days. So I had to do a little research for this UFC Vegas 55 a little bit earlier this week. And we're going to talk about the Preakness with Sig from Wager Talk and get that nailed down for your horse racing pleasures of this weekend. Obviously, a ton going on, and I would have brought on our golf expert, Patrick Gates, had it not been so early in the week, but he's going to put a great article out at the Odds Breakers on the PGA Championship in Southern Hills coming up this weekend so make sure you check that out patrick's been absolutely on fire obviously the rest of our handicappers have been doing an exceptional job sean kanaki's doing baseball you have chris farley out there in the nba you have nick hub pretty much doing everything as well as a bunch of our usual suspect free handicappers that have been contributing to the odds breakers all year and throughout the years since our website's inception. Want to remind you guys also, we are still looking for experienced handicappers to come on in for the football season. If you have some experience handicapping, maybe a track record out there and want to make a little additional coin or possibly get your name out there, please contact us at theoddsbreakers.com. Hit contact us, or you can reach out to our DMs on Twitter at The Oddsbreakers. Always looking for more talent to share the wealth without all of our listeners and our viewers throughout the nation. And actually, throughout the entire world, we have people in many countries that visit theoddsbreakers.com on a daily basis. As far as football goes, I've been working on it now that the schedules have been released have some thoughts on the schedules and I know that there is a little bit more uncertainty when it comes to 
how they're going to treat the whole COVID situation for next year. You know, I imagine that uh, if they're still going to be testing players or even if they go get tested themselves, you have to assume that they might miss some time, but have to uh, just control what I know and try to put that completely together when figuring out what the actual strengths of these schedules are. As you know, I always like to go by Vegas win totals, the team playing the highest amount of Vegas win totals. You just add them up, right? There's 17 games. You add their opponents' uh, season win totals up, and the the ones with the highest totals have the hardest schedule. The ones with the lowest totals have the easier schedule. So uh, that's the one I think is the most accurate. But uh, I'll be talking all about that when I do my divisional previews. Usually do about uh, two per episode. I'll be doing two... When I get back here from my trip, our podcast is probably going to drop a little bit later in the week, so prepare for a little NFC action, most likely the NFC North and the NFC South is what I like to start with. So uh, prepare for a little NFL coming at you this month. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the UFC for the weekend before we get SIG on to discuss the Preakness. This UFC card in general, Holm versus Vieira, is pretty weak. All right, let's face it. It is pretty weak. Holly Holm versus Caitlin Vera is the main event. The rest of the fights don't have a lot of big names. Maybe a few guys that, like, made it to Tier 2. Maybe Eric Anders was Tier 2. Jun Young Park might have been uh, Tier 2 at one point, but geez. Um, pretty weak card. I mean, maybe the best fighter is, uh, Almeida, which is minus 700 against Parker Porter. (laughs) I mean, makes me kind of happy that I'll be out of the country for this card. I'm not missing a big UFC card for the weekend, but I still think there's some potential places to make money. Actually, some of the cards that have the smallest, uh, let's just say, unknown fighters sometimes make the most money as long as you're digging into it and doing your due diligence uh, there's no excuses and uh you know you can miss out on some pretty weak lines on these smaller events because they are a little bit more ignored but what i will say is that looking at this card in general i'm kind of leaning dogs for a lot of these I don't think there's going to be a lot of like minus 220, minus 250 parlay fighters here. And I'll start right out with the main event here. Holly Holm versus Caitlin Vieira. Holm has been around for a long time. She kind of beat almost the best, let's say. Uh, I think she was looked at as the best at one point. You know, way back when she beat Ronda Rousey in 2015. And then obviously Misha Tate took her out, and then you saw what Nunez did to her. But then she lost to uh, Shevchenko, uh, Jermaine De Randami. She's pretty much unknown these days. Right back in 2017, I think she retired. She lost to Cyborg, you know, beat Megan Anderson. She then uh, lost to Nunez, of course, in 2019. Then uh, Raquel Pennington, she won. Irene Aldana, she beat. But her last fight was back in 2020, okay? And that went to a five-round decision against Irene Aldana. Man, that is uh, it's a while ago. 
And so you have to expect that there's going to be some ring rust on Holly Holm. One and a half years since she's been fighting in a cage. Now, looking at the odds here, Holly's a big favorite, or pretty big, right? Minus 210, minus 230, minus 250, right? You're kind of getting into the uh, 69, 70% here, uh, according to the juice, the minus number in this fight. But, you know, what I see here is, in general, women fighters have been getting better, right? I mean, during Holmes' time, she was a very, you know, top-tier fighter, maybe top three, top four in the 135 Bamtam weight class for women, which is the heavier class. But then you look at uh, Vieira, she is 12-2. She has one loss by decision, one loss by KO that actually... Ironically, happened to uh, Irene from Irene Aldana, who lost to Holly Holm back in 2020. But at the same time, she beat Misha Tate, and Misha Tate, if you remember, took the belt by beating Holly Holm back in like 2015, 2016. Right? I remember watching that fight. So you know, I mean, you can go fighter A, fighter B, fighter C, blah blah blah. I really don't like to get into that too much. But what I do know is that. I think that Caitlin is going to be the aggressor when it comes to the ground game. And then she kind of threw Misha Tate around, if you remember. I mean, she has four wins by submission, right? She has a pretty good takedown percentage. She is uh, uh, 0.39 takedowns per 15 minutes, 46.43 takedown accuracy. As you know, Holly Holm isn't much of a, a take-you-down fighter. I mean, she can she can get out of some situations, but that's just not her style. Holly Holm is a stand-up fighter, while Vera is going to be looking out for punches and uh, you know trying to get Holly Holm down and possibly uh, employ a submission attempt or a ground and pound. They're sick, both these fighters' significant strikes are fairly even: three point oh seven for Caitlin and three point one six for Holly. Right? I think the age factor you got to give it to Caitlin. She is 30 years old while Holly Holm is 40, right? So that's a big difference here. I think I looked in the uh, stats, usually the older, the younger fighter, if it's a 10-year or more difference, wins about 66 to 70% of the time. All right, I'll actually look that up right now. Young beats old on a 10-year difference, 66 percent of the time okay that's a a pretty significant amount now the thing that worries me a little bit more about caitlin vieira is that she absorbs some some significant strikes 4.07 she absorbs per minute while holly holmes uh, really good at defending them 2.8 per minute holly holmes takedown defense is at 76 percent so, you know, that's why Holmes the favorite plus her fantastic record. But her number is just massive here. And being off for 18 months, there's absolutely no way I could even put her in a parlay or lay that kind of a price. I'm going to lean Caitlin Vieira um, pretty strong here in this situation. And uh, there might, I, I, after I do a little bit more research, I might have a small play on her to win uh, probably just straight up. I, I could get Grady and go by decision, but there's no reason for that. It's a five-round fight. 
um, I'd be more than happy with the plus 170, plus 180 that you can find on her right now. Next fight I want to briefly talk about is the Santiago Ponzanibio versus Michelle Pereira. So, I mean, Pereira is that fighter that 27-11 certainly is, uh, you know, been there and done that. But he's he's 28 years old. <laughs> I mean, you figure that 27-11, he's really had a lot of fights under his belt for being this young. And he's that fighter that always looks like you want to bet on him. But then, uh, you know, sometimes he'll let you down. He let, you, he let me down back uh, against Diego Sanchez, I believe. Um, he, he got disqualified, I think it was. And uh, he lost before that to Tristan Conley in 2019. But, you know, then he fights uh, Zaleem and and beats him, Kalen Williams. And uh, Kalen Williams is a pretty decent fighter. He ended up beating uh, Kalen Williams. Um, you just saw Kalen lose to Randy Brown in a split decision. That was a really good match. Uh, Nico Price, he beat. Uh, Nico Price, decent fighter himself, probably a, a tier two borderline tier three fighter right and then he beats uh andre fialo and fialo is that guy that's just been a beast lately i mean fialo's kind of been running through some people but uh i mean look at michelle Pereira, only minus 115 in this fight while santiago is minus 105 i mean <laughs> that's telling you even though Michelle's got some great victories, that this is going to be one heck of a close fight. You know, both about six foot, six ones, both 73 inch reach, both have significant strikes, about 4.7. Uh, uh, Michelle's a little bit more accurate, maybe a little bit better on the ground. But, uh, you know, Santiago kind of up and coming here. One thing that I notice about Michelle's fighting style is that he's been a lot more calculated than he was when he was younger. You know, a lot of his fights, he would go for it and sometimes get knocked out. <laughs> that paid for it. But you look at his last one, two, three, four, five, six fights, all of them went to the third round and four of them went to decision. So I find that interesting. Santiago is a striker himself, as you know. So I think uh, Michelle Pereira is going to be a little bit, a little bit, uh, on his heels you know he's not going to be on his uh, toes he's going to be backing up a little bit and trying to counter in my opinion now i will say that i think Pereira's odds should be a little bit better than minus 115 because i just think he's went through more of a gauntlet of fighters and he's actually the younger man you know he is at uh, 28 years old but i think the better play might be that the fight goes to decision you're at about minus 145, minus 150 that this fight goes to decision. You know, these fighters haven't finished a lot of people. I know I just talked about Michelle going to three rounds so many. Well, out of uh, his last four fights, or sorry, five fights, Santiago has went to the third round or passed uh, in four of his last five fights. The only time he did it is when he got knocked out by Jing Ling Lee. So I like minus 150 that this fight goes to decision for 1.5 stars. Woo! 
All right, my friends. I wish I can give you some more information on this card. I do have a premium play that I'm just saving for premium subscribers, going two stars with it. But uh, if you want to become a member of the Odds Breakers and get our premiums, feel free to visit theoddsbreakers.com, and you'll get them throughout the rest of the summer, obviously, into football season. As of now, let's get into a little Preakness Stakes with our guest, Sig from wagertalk.com. Now I'm happy to introduce a long-time horse better and handicapper back to the show. You've heard him many times on the Pony Pundits and on the Wager Talk podcast. Really happy to welcome back Mr. Sig from wagertalk.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Sig. Las Vegas, Sig, it's already been a crazy year in horse racing, but man, how the heck you doing? I'm doing great, Kiev. Thanks for having me. Got to apologize now. You asked me to come on back for Louisiana Derby back in March, but unfortunately, after dodging it for two years, COVID did finally track me down after March Madness weekend. Yeah, and it's okay. I mean, I had it too. My whole family had it. It's kind of floating around again. I don't know, whatever denomination they're going to call it this time but it's uh, it seems like we can't get rid of it it's just too fun we'll for all get it it's uh, yeah, we're all gonna get it multiple times most likely but uh or, or whatever but can't worry about that anymore but that's uh i'm glad you recovered i hope you didn't have it too bad ah, i mean i'm vaccinated and boosted so it was still probably the worst flu i ever had but got through it and mm-hmm Got on with the horses. Yeah, you got back on the horses. That's that's important. Get back on the horse. But speaking of horses, we had a massive race two weeks ago, uh, maybe like even 10 days since it's only Tuesday we're recording this, the Kentucky Derby. And, man, that that horse, that Rich Strike, he struck it rich for somebody, but it wasn't me, Sig. It wasn't me either. <laughs> I had a uh, Kentucky Derby preview and guide over a wager talk, and I gave that horse a D. And said he wasn't fast enough to compete. And he really wasn't, but based on the way the race played out, that's what gave him the advantage there at the end. You were, weren't you watching it with Marco at the South Point? Yeah, Marco and I were at the South Point in the ballroom watching it, and you could hear a pin drop in that place when the 21 <laughs> came out of nowhere. At first, everybody thought it was the two because uh, Jockey Sonny Leone's foot covered up the one on the saddle cloth. So everybody at first thought it was Happy Jack. I'm like, that wasn't Happy Jack. That <laughs> wasn't Happy Jack. Oh, man, it was nuts. The announcers didn't even do that well. I mean, it's just kind of the, the horse that filled in at the last minute. Um, I, you know, unless, like you said, pre-show, if someone's name was Rich, maybe they used to watch the show Richie Rich when they were kids. I, I, I don't know. But not a heck of a lot of people had this horse. And, I mean, that's why this 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 thing paid so much. I mean, the Exacta box was, what, four grand? You know, fifty cent trifecta, seven grand, and you even had the favorite coming second, and one of the co-favorites, maybe the the, the third favorite coming third, was Zandon, and it still paid that much, Sig. Right. I mean, I saw a couple people out there posted up some tickets. They took all in the first leg of the trifecta, and then used Zandon and Epicenter, who finished two three. They were basically the top two selections going all week into the Derby. So, I mean, that did that paid over seven grand, like you said, for a fifty cent ticket. So could have, you could have got out of there for about thirty-eight bucks and turned it into seven grand, but I wasn't smart enough to bet it that way. <laughs> I guess I wasn't either. But at the same time, man, you know everyone's first thoughts about the horses and what's been going on with the old Baffert is: is there controversy? Is the horse dirty? I mean, did that cross your mind at all? 
Uh, actually, that did not. I mean, it was actually kind of refreshing for me. I've been doing this game for a number of years here, and the past few years we've had some controversies between the Bafferts with the drugs. Uh, Medina Spearkin disqualified from last year's Derby. Maximum Security got disqualified based for an on-track incident, but we later learned that his trainer was definitely involved. He's actually serving some time right now for uh, some drug violations. So it's been jaded. So it was kind of refreshing to see a small-time trainer, a small-time jockey with a horse that basically nobody expected coming out of nowhere to win the Derby. That's the kind of story that we like to have in horse racing. Granted, I didn't win a whole lot that day. I'm sure a lot of people didn't win a lot that day, but it's a fantastic story. Actually, a shame. A lot of people are upset that he's not going on to this week's Preakness here, but you got to do what's best with the horse. So what was the reason for that then, um, not coming on to the Preakness um, the trainer, um, actually the trainer, I think was thinking about doing it after a workout, but the connections, the ownerships decided that they didn't want to, uh, take the next step. I mean, it's only two weeks rest, uh, grand, the triple crown. There's a lot of uh, people out there on Twitter saying that, uh, it's the real, it was not gonna be a test of the champion, but there's a lot of debate on whether we should start stretching these races out, uh, having, the Triple Crown races fall basically within six to seven weeks here, two weeks between the Derby and then another three weeks to the Belmont is really tough. I mean, it's a lot different. Horses back when Secretary were running and some of those other horses way back, they were running every couple of weeks, every week sometimes, uh, multiple times in a week for some horses. But now we're if a horse runs twice in a month, it's a lot. And we're going to probably talk about this a little bit later in the show. There's a couple of horses that already have a number of races under their belt that are in this week's Preakness that may have been a little over race so far so i can't blame the connections at all for skipping the preakness here i don't think they had thought they had much of a chance in the derby i don't think they think they had much of a chance in the preakness it's gonna be interesting where he turns up next i don't think the belmont is going to be a great race for him he is a closer and i'm not sure the distance is going to be the mile and a half is a, definitely a challenge here but it's gonna be interesting to see where rich straight lands next i would have loved to see him in here on saturday he would have taken a good amount of money and i think that would have definitely inflated the polls I wish he would have because, you know, a perfect closer fade horse for a Preakness track that runs a mile and an eighth, right? It's uh, more of a speed track, and, you know, it would have been nice for him to take some of the money, make it sweeter for some of us here um, that wanted to bet the front runners or at least maybe some stalkers. I, that's what I thought. Yeah, you know, I mean, controversy-wise, the, the horse, it was hard to predict. I couldn't predict it, you know, and like you gave it a D. And that's what makes you think, you know, was the horse doing something that was illegal? And I don't know. It, it, I can't imagine if he did come up dirty, horse racing would have been kaput, man. I, I think they would have lost so many fans. So there's just more and more just different, like, theories out there, conspiracy theories and stuff, which is always tough. But, um, you know, it's funny. I, I was upset that I lost the ticket, but I was kind of happy that uh, that a no name wanted to. <laughs> you know, that's 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 like good you said. Game. You know, definitely good for the game. Struck it rich with rich strike. But anyways, <laughs> I I never seen a horse go and bite like that horse did a little bit. I thought that was interesting. Uh, they do. I mean, you, you don't see it as often though, because number one. Uh, you don't have a national audience with NBC broadcasting a major race like that. But then also, Rich Drake came out of two races at Turfway Park. Turfway Park's in the process of tearing down and rebuilding their grandstand. Churchill Downs bought them. So they had uh, he raced there twice in their two derby preps. And uh, they didn't have any fans at all at Turfway this year. So that horse went from his last two races being at a racetrack with no fans at all pretty much quiet like COVID races were in 2020 to going to 150,000 streaming fans and excuse my language here, but 
145,000 were pretty pissed off after that result. So you sure they were pretty loud here. He was a little upset. People were upset with the outrider who actually uh, punched Rich Strike following the race, but Rich Strike attacked, attacked not only the outriding pony, he, he, bit, he bit the outrider. So he was just defending himself and defending his mount there. Looks like, like a tough guy, you know. <laughs> he came out there and did that. Well, unfortunately for this race, um, you know, I, without a triple count contender, it takes a little of the luster out of it, in my opinion. I think it would for other people, especially the Pimlico, the track. And um, is there any other stories going with this race? Any other excitement shaping up here? Well, we touched on Rich Strike already. I mean, the biggest story is uh, not him skipping the break this. There won't be a triple crown winner this year. But the other big story is uh, the coach, D. Wayne Lucas, 87 years old. He trained Secret Oath of Philly, who won the Kentucky Oaks. He's entered her here in the Preakness. Uh, if you guys remember a couple years ago, a uh, Swiss skydiver for trainer Ken McPeak uh, beat Authentic in the Preakness there. So the Phillies, and the Phillies have won this race six times previously. So they could make it uh, seven here. Uh, Lucas had a lot of influence over Derby weekend. Not only the Secret Oath won the Kentucky Oaks, his horse at Real Road was the reason that Rich Strike even got into the race. He scratched him out on Friday morning before the race, allowing you also eligible to get in there. So he had an effect not only on the Oaks, but he had an effect on the Derby winner as well. All right. Well, we got a Philly in this race. There you go, man. And I think that's going to spice it up a little bit here. And uh, it's nice to have that little uh, that, that little uh, storyline, if not, you know, other piece to handicap. And I looked at it and... You know, I've, I'm, I'm undecided, so I'm going to see kind of what you think when we get to that point. But um, why don't you tell us a little history of the Preakness? I believe it's the 147th running of this race. That is correct. Yeah, the Preakness States first ran in 1873. That's actually two years before the Kentucky Derby uh, was incepted here. Uh, the race was named after a horse named Preakness who won a different stake race, which was actually the reason we have Pimlico Racetrack now and racing is so big in Maryland. Uh, they had a race called the Dinner Party Stakes in 1870. Uh, caused the formation of the racetrack of Pimlico, and they had a $15,000 purse there. Uh, I actually didn't, I didn't work it out inflation-wise, but that was a nice chunk of change back in 1873. <laughs> Preakness was a horse nobody expected to win. He won that race. They eventually named uh, their big three-year-old race on the dirt here after him. Uh, the funny thing is the favorites won this race 73 times out of those 147 runnings. So in essence, 50% of the time, the favorite does win this race here. Uh, well, the largest margin of victory ever was in 2004. A horse named Smarty Jones won this horse by 11 and a half lengths. And six times this horse, I'm sorry, this race has been decided by a horse by less than a nose here. Uh, the most recent time was 1989 for a pretty good horse named Sunday Silence. Hmm. There you go, Sunday Silence. Well, Sunday Silence, probably, uh, I imagine that was a pretty fast track that day and by a nose. And um, back in 89, man, geez, can't even remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> the eighties, well. the eighties is a blur to me, man. Uh, looks like uh, LVC chimed in. Uh, yeah, the 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 stud fees uh, will will stay a little higher on this uh, rich strike here, and I definitely agree. Maybe uh, never race a closer in the Preakness. That could be the new trend kind of coming up here. Well, you know, um, I'm going to talk about the favorite here with you. Um, and I think Epicenter is a deserving favorite priced at six to five. I can't argue with that. I mean, he ran the Derby 
second, you know, and if obviously if there's a shorter race, he probably wouldn't want it, right? Uh, does that make sense? This is a deserving favorite. I have to agree with you completely there. Yeah, the six to five episode's been the most impressive three year old so far this year uh, for trainer Steve Asmussen. Everybody thought coming down the stretch run there, he was going to like get uh, Asmussen, who's won the most races of any trainer in North America, his first Kentucky Derby win. And then, like I said, Rich Trek came out of the clouds there uh, and got him there at the wire. A lot of that became uh, a result of the early fast pace. There were two foreign horses uh, with foreign jockeys that came in that went exceedingly fast on the front end of the Derby. And we've seen it before, but we haven't seen it actually since the Derby point system uh, kicked in here back in 2014-2015 uh, that horses actually set an early fast pacer that broke brought the meltdown that allowed Rich Strike to come late. Epicenter stayed with those horses early. He was still there coming at the end. Uh, and everybody says, Rich Strike was going so much faster at the end. That's not true. Rich Strike was still keeping his pace there. Horses like Epicenter and Zandon were slowing down at the end of that race because they had to exert so much, much energy to keep up with that early pace. And it's so funny how it takes an advanced eye to see that, you know, it looks to us that these horses are going the fastest possible bit, like a hundred, yeah, like in a 40, right? A hundred meter dash, but it's more maybe like a, a 400 meter dash, you know, slow down a little bit at the end, even though they look like they're trying to win, it's deceiving. But um, at the same point, Epicenter was actually running a little slower in a little bit longer of a race, which I find very interesting. Well, uh, how will you how would you judge the strength of this field in general now that the Kentucky Derby's not winner's not in and going by the other horses? Yeah, overall, Kiev, this nine horse field isn't going to impress too many people there. Only three of these horses that we'll see on Saturday uh, also raced the Derby uh, two weeks ago, and those are like more, we just talked about the morning line favorite epicenter, the fourth place finisher simplification, and the fourteenth place finisher Happy Jack. There are a few new shooters to keep an eye on here. Uh, early voting is coming in for our trainer, Chad Brown. Uh, creative Minister is coming in for Ken McPeak. And like we talked about uh, earlier, Secret Oath, the Philly for Dean Way and Lucas are all new shooters we're going to take a look at here uh, that might have a chance to upset here in the Preakness. All right. Well, there you go. A little bit of a weaker. And, and, and you know, here's the thing. It, the field being a little weak, maybe it's because Baffert. You know, I mean, usually Baffert's got some – Big name horses in here, and we all know that he's suspended here, and it's Yachtine training them, but his horses didn't show up too well in the Derby. <laughs> I think they got 15th place or something like that, 13th and 15th, maybe something like that. I mean, not even close to uh, talking, so uh, or being in the talking points, you know, and so maybe that's part, also part of the reason this uh, this feels a little weak, Sig. So, but uh, at the same time, I have my early thoughts on it. And I'm just going to tell you that I think I'm going chalk. Uh, maybe you're going to talk me off it, but I, I think Epicenter is going to win it. And I think I'm going to go with one long shot. I'm going to see first what your thoughts are on how it's shaping up for your ticket. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with Epicenter. Like I said, he's been the best three-year-old here. We aren't going to get much value with him. Like you said, he is going to be the chalk here. Uh, six to five, even money, I think right around there. And the only reason that he's going to stay less – or right around even money and not less than even money, I think, is that there are a couple other betting interests in here that should get some attention. Also, Epicenter is going to be making, I believe, his fifth start of 2020, it's 2022 now, uh, which is a lot of starts for a horse, I mean, of that age. Uh, we'd like to see a few more lightly raced 
horses when they come in, they're a lot fresher in this spot. I think that's one of the reasons uh, Chad Brown kept um, his horse, uh, excuse me, early voting out of uh, the he, they skipped the Derby. They went point right to the Preakness. Brown also did that with a horse a few years ago that won the Preakness called Cloud Computing. Only won two races in his life. He won his maiden. He won the Preakness. Uh, didn't win another race in his career, but he pointed specifically to that spot. He's doing the same here with early voting. Uh, there's a couple horses in here, though, uh, that are definitely not going to get a whole lot of attention. Early voting is going to get some attention. I think Secret Oath is going to get some attention. And a long shot uh, selection in here that we'll talk about, I'm sure, sometime is uh, Creative Minister, uh, trainer Ken McPeaks, bringing him in. This will only be his fourth career start. He did race back on Derby Day on the undercard, uh, winning an allowance race here. But he's been impressive, and he's very lightly raced, so he's got a good spot here. Which one's that? That is a creative minister. Yeah, I'm not even seeing him on the t- – oh, there he is. Yes, number two. He's in the two-hole. So, um, yeah, only three races I'm seeing here from the uh, DRF Daily Racing Forum. Uh, it looks like uh, he took first his last two races. His buyers have has went up slightly every single race, so uh, this one could be live. And uh, is this one that you might be using? Uh, actually, yeah, that's going to be my long shot uh, pick in this fielder. He's listed 10 to 1 your morning line. I think he may go off a little bit higher here, but I think he's got the most upside of the new shooters in here. Okay, well, there you go. There's your, there's, that's not bad. And uh, that's good information here coming in. Uh, and he raced the same day as uh, everybody else over at Churchill Downs. So that's, that's very interesting. I, I have a question about this one because um, Arg McNock, is that how to say him? Um, yeah, he's and this is was a Baffert now Yachtine, right? And so, surrogate. Yeah, and, and these horses got killed. Um, well, the other two did, you know, Taiba and Messier. But you know, that makes me wonder if I'm going to get more value on this one. You know, because maybe now everyone's like, okay, Bafferts are toast. Then this horse comes in, and I'm also seeing you know a nice little jump here. Obviously, the January. It, to the march was just really weird in the san felipe i didn't watch the san felipe you probably did we're forbidding king kingdom one over doppelganger and happy jack but then you know he uh takes third in the santa anita and then he takes first um and his buyers goes up and, and what are your thoughts on this one uh he's definitely a speedster here and he's definitely going to change the complexion of the race uh, the West Coast racing, in my opinion, Santa Anita has not been strong this year, uh, as we saw from the results of Taiba and um, Messier in the Derby, uh, both who I thought had a shot in there. Um, they're definitely coming from a much weaker field. Uh, we see that sometimes, I mean, years that the West Coast is just the dominant coast, and that was with a lot of bad for horses coming in. Um, California, um, it wasn't a bad for horse, but California Chrome came from the West Coast, uh, American Pharaoh was a West Coast horse, uh, Justify. Um, we're not seeing the strength coming here. Um, he is going to change the complexion of the race, as I said, though. He's a speedster. He likes to be out front. Uh, the brown horse, early voting, uh, was definitely looking like the early pace setter in here. He's always had things his way. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts when he gets challenged here uh, early in the race. I still think early voting is going to be your early pace setter here, but I think this Yak team horse is going to push him along. Well, there you go. So he's going to get pushed a little bit by uh, this uh the only the only Baffert slash Yak team 
uh, Horace Yakfurt, we'll call him, coming on in like we did a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Argmanak. So he was kind of my long shot. Who are you throwing off your card in this race, if any? Is there an all-button potential coming in for SIG? I don't think there's any all-button potential, but <laughs> just to quantify that, I didn't think that was also possible two weeks ago in the Derby here. So in horse racing, anything can happen. It's kind of like playing poker or you have aces. Somebody is king, and the guy with seven sucks out on at the very end. That's kind of what happened last week in the Derby here. But there are a couple of horses here I'm not giving any chance to. Um, Skippy Longstocking is in here. Uh, has not been impressive in his races against Stakes Company. Uh, a new shooter that came in here really late is Fenwick. Uh, took the Colt five attempts to break his maiden, and then after that maiden breaking win, they threw him in the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland back in April. He was on the early pace, but he faded well late. He finished last, dead last in that race, I think over 30 lengths behind. And then Happy Jack. Happy Jack for trainer Doug O'Neill. I'm not going to ever question Doug O'Neill because he's won some huge races. Uh, but this cool special performance came at Santa Anita. We just talked about uh, the West Coast. Uh, the horses coming in from the West Coast haven't performed well here. And it's definitely not the best coast uh, for this uh, three-year-old season here. Uh, Happy Jack finished 14th in the Derby. The good news is he can't finish worse than ninth in here because there are only nine horses. <laughs> there you go. We can't we can't finish worth the ninth. That's a uh, important consideration here. So there you go. So there's three that's coming off your ticket. Well, makes total sense to me. Well, what's you gonna? What, what do you think your approach is gonna be? Without giving out too many, too much information, obviously to this race. I have no problem giving the information out. I mean, it's gonna be, it's all over the place. You can get podcasts here like yours. Uh, what we do, the Pony Pundits. I mean. Twitter's full of information. Yeah. It's just a matter of how you process the information. That's how it comes down to in here. Um, I think Epicenter's got a really good shot in here, but I'm not going to say he's a dead lock. Uh, he's, I'm not going to be betting him at, at six to five or worse on the day, other than maybe a couple exotic tickets using him on top just to recoup any money that may be betting. But I'm going to be looking at a couple other shots, hopefully, to maybe beat him here in early voting. Uh, Secret Oath and Creative Minister, all three horses, that I'll be looking to bet on Saturday. Secret Oath. Okay, so you're kind of uh, you're kind of looking towards the Secret Oath, which is the third favorite morning line, I would say, right at five and a half to one, nine to two, right? Nine to two, yep. four, four and a half to one. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, he and this horse has run a lot, and uh, it's a filly. So are you just in love with the whole idea with the filly, like what you saw last year? Uh, it's not that. I mean, she ran a really impressive Kentucky Oaks here two weeks back. But what was really impressive, and it's going to throw some people off, is they're going to say, well, she ran an Arkansas Derby against the boys and only finished third. If you go back and watch that race, she ran a tremendous race that day. Uh, she had Luis Contreras aboard, who's a good jockey, but she picked up Sias for the Oaks, and Luis Sias is going to ride her as well here in the Preakness. Much better jockey, and it's no offense to um, excuse me, Contreras. Uh, Saez is just one of the top jocks on any circuit right now. He was one of the best at Gulfstream. He's one of the best on the New York circuit. He gets more out of the horse here, and I think with a horse like Secret Oath, who's going to be coming, sitting just off the pace and then coming later here, I think Saez is a great jockey to time that pretty well here. And I think she's just very impressive for being a filly in there. There were a couple of fillies he talked about uh, this year coming to the Derby. She was the only one that actually took a real shot at it. And it would be interesting if she had won that Arkansas Derby or even finished second, if Lucas would have put her in 
to the Derby field or put her into the Oaks where she pretty much dominated in that Oaks there. And I have to give kudos like, to my uh, colleague on Pony Pun, that's Marco D'Angelo. He was really high on Secret Oath on Oaks Day. I was not, I mean, I had her, in, I had five horses on Oaks Day, and she was the one that was my, ended up being my fifth choice. She was between fourth and fifth there. But uh, she ran a really impressive Kentucky Oaks there. And uh, looking forward to seeing what she can do on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be the most interesting horse and the best story of the Preakness. Well, speaking of Philly horses, don't we have a black-eyed Susan coming in on Friday? Uh, yeah, black Yeah, there you go, man. And so we have Impossible Daily Double coming in, black-eyed Susan uh, with the Preakness. Have you got a chance to look at that race? Um, honestly, I haven't dealt, delved too deeply into it being Tuesday. Uh, we don't have yeah, – we drew the post positions yesterday afternoon. Uh, about 24 hours ago. I uh, haven't uh, had time to delve too deeply into the Black Eyed Susan yet, uh, but I will definitely have some information, I'm sure, on uh, my other podcast, uh, The Pony Pundits. Uh, we're doing taping that tomorrow, and we should be right on some uh, Kentucky, I'm sorry, Kentucky, uh, some Black Eyed Susan plays for you that can lead to the Black Eyed Susan Prickness Daily Doubles that will always have a pretty nice return. All right, well, sounds great. I look forward to that. How could our listeners benefit from your great plays coming for the weekend? Uh, every, my daily race reports are available on wagertalk.com. Um, they're always up by 9 a.m. Usually they're up the previous evening at some point, and then I give you an up, update uh, right before post time, about a half hour before first post for any scratches or changes to track conditions, etc. cetera. Um, right now we're at Belmont. We'll be at Pimlico just this weekend, though two days a year I handicap Pimlico or this Friday and Saturday for Black Eyed Susan and Preakness. Uh, be at Belmont then through uh, the Belmont Stakes and right to the Saratoga meet. Uh, we'll finish the summer out of Saratoga. Head back to Belmont for about just a month before the Keeneland Fall meet, and that will be us right in the Breeders' Cup weekend, which is the best uh, betting weekend for any horse player of the year. Uh, you can also check out my podcast, uh, Pony Pundits, is on Wager Talk TV on a weekly basis. Uh, usually we go live on Fridays, but for big weekends like this, we uh, tape a show and then put it out there. So that will be out uh, probably by Thursday morning. And also, you can find my selections on sometimes on Twitter. I'll give out some free information, and uh, that's at Sig Las Vegas as it sees on the screen. And you can also find uh, my free, my top selection every day for whatever track I uh, handicap that day is always available and it's free on my page at Wager Talk WT.buzz/sig. All right, make sure you guys check out Sig. He knows the ponies. He will have you all set up this weekend. Thanks again, Sig, for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. Good luck to you. All right, my friends, if you have any questions about the Preakness, feel free to tweet at SIG at SIG Las Vegas. I hope everybody enjoys all the games, all the events going on this weekend, the Preakness and everything else, and go get some winners.